Hey guys, Mike here for Hokey Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former Downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it. Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in Downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now, and there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg. Hokie Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating comfortable and officially licensed apparel featuring vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight, discovering unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire blue chip apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover. Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Hanging to a game at Lane Stadium this fall? Need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to VividSeats.com. Use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. hangover nc state week uh also known as the first crack at bowl eligibility week for virginia tech Hokies enter the game five and five facing a seven and three nc state team uh guys i've said this a few different times this season on this podcast once again we've arrived at the game of the year well i'll tell you what mike haven't been more excited for a game all year uh, you know, coming off of a big blowout victory over Boston College in a game that Vegas initially picked the Hokies to lose, betters changed that line, but Virginia Tech wins by 40. Now you have a chance to not only achieve bowl eligibility, you have a chance to get your signature win of the year, and you have a chance to do that at home in front of the Lane Stadium crowd that you've done so well against all year. I'll be there, and uh, Saturday can't come soon enough. 
uh, Andrew, we're going to have to get up together before the game because I will also be in attendance uh, for real, though? in the press box uh, this weekend. So excited to be there for sure. This is um, this isn't the biggest opportunity Brent Prize had since he's been the head coach, but this is certainly in the top group of opportunities that Prize had. He's had some some games against big teams where he's had an opportunity to really put the program on the map nationally, and he hasn't done that yet. And I'm not saying he should have, right? He's dealing with kind of a mediocre roster. But in terms of securing the bowl eligibility against a really well-coached, tough team in NC State, this is a monumental opportunity for Brent Pry to not necessarily uh, cap the season because not only do you have the Virginia game left, but I think how they look in the bowl game will matter. But you have a really, really monumental chance to collect like one of the infinity stones of the year, right? Like if we're going to, if we're going to make this a Marvel reference, Kyron drones, getting your quarterback for next year, I think is one of those. And I wrote about that in my column this week that Kyron Drones is not just the quarterback of the present. He's the quarterback of the future. Uh, bold eligibility is a infinity stone for Brent Pry. I would argue that winning a game against a team with a uh, better than 500 record is an infinity stone. Beating UVA would be one. So th- th- there's a, a collection of things that Brent Pry could really do to cement the progress that he's made, lock it in, leave no doubt. And beating NC State at home would be one of those things. I mean, it's the biggest opportunity that's actually realistic. Yeah. And it accomplishes the most. Like, obviously, beating Florida State on the road would have been monumental, but you were 20-some-odd point underdogs in that game for good reason. Louisville a few weeks ago seemed like it was a big opportunity and it was there's a reason that tech was a nine point underdog on the road and of course they lost by much more nc state is a good team at least on one side of the ball it is a flawed team but in one fell swoop you can number one dispel the notion that the only teams you beat on your road to bowl eligibility were teams that, you know, weren't shit, essentially didn't beat anyone. And even if they lose this game and go beat UVA, that's going to be the story. Virginia Tech won six games against teams that, for the most part, were mediocre to bad. You beat NC State, that's a team that won seven games. That's a team that, over the course of this podcast, we're going to tell you why they're capable. Uh, and, and it's a program that's really gained some momentum. This was a game that, you know, we always talk about what we all thought going into the season. Most people had this one marked down as now. This would be the signature win of the year. This would be the signature win of the tenure. And it's gettable. Things fall the right way for the Hokies. And I need to correct the record, boys. I mentioned winning a game against a team with a better than 500 record they've done that in beating boston college uh but i think it's important to note that bc 
uh, is a underdog this week against two and eight Pittsburgh. Just to kind of give you an idea as to BC, which we know how Mike McDaniel feels. It's just a continuation of my thoughts I've made oh so clear over the last couple of weeks that BC might just not be really any good. Uh, so I, the whole bowl game thing, this, you know, Andrew's been hammering home proof of concept this year, right? It's a phrase he's been talking about consistently. It's a really important one uh, and something that, you know, it was really important for Brent Pry to show here in year two after how poorly the first year went right on the field. Pry has been doing everything right off the field for quite some time, right? Since he's gotten here, he's been acing every test off the field. On the field, it was a three and eight record last year and offense looked completely inept. That really continued through September of this year. Hokies hit conference play. And they've beaten every every team not named Florida State and Louisville uh, since the end of September. They're in a spot now where they can make a bowl game. This is the first big check mark, first big checkbox of the proof of concept, right? That you can win early in a tenure, right? Something that Mike Young, Mike Young, well, Mike Young did too, I guess, but something that Mike Elko did at Duke. You know, went in. Something that Justin in. Fuente did at Virginia Tech. Something that Justin Fuente did at Virginia Tech. And, you know, you can argue roster situations, but what's most important is that Brent Pry took what he had. He improved on it from year one to year two. And then he's arguably, I don't want to say he's gotten the most out of it, because I think there was still probably a game or two that Virginia Tech would like to have back, especially early in the year. But he's gotten a lot out of the roster that he's had. And I think a lot of that has to do with the emergence of Kyron Drones. Uh, offense has obviously improved leaps and bounds. Defense has been inconsistent, but the good version of Virginia Tech's defense is one that, you know, has the Brent Pry traits of being really aggressive and getting after the quarterback. But I think Ricky hit the nail on the head. You found your quarterback. Uh, you've already kind of secured the winning record at home for the year. But I think closing out the season five and one at home would be something very good to build upon, especially considering Virginia Tech struggles at home over the last four or five years. And then on top of that, making a bowl game is gigantic. And then I guess I, I part from Ricky in that, like, I don't think the bowl result matters as much. Um, mostly because I think getting, getting there was just this year in this capacity after how last year looked, getting there is such a huge accomplishment. Winning's kind of a cherry on top sort of thing. I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't want tech to go into a bowl game and get smoked. That wouldn't be good. But if tech loses a, like the military bowl, is it the end of the world in year two of a rebuild? Probably not. Mike, is that the Go Bowling Military Bowl that you're referring to? <laughs> that is the, the Go Bowling Military Bowl. It's the the Ricky... Military Bowl presented by Go Bowling. The Ricky, the, the Ricky LeBlue. The Ricky LeBlue Military Bowl <laughs> is all I hear. The settling no, I... the score. Ricky, the Ricky LeBlue's settling the score. <laughs> GoBowling.com. Military. The Ricky LeBlue, who do you think you are? I am Military Bowl. That's right. 
the the one bowling quote that every non-bowler knows. Uh, Mike, I, I I think we're actually on the same page with the bowl stuff. I I I mean more so that if they're getting to a bowl game, don't let us see what happened to Maryland, or I should say, in the Maryland game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if they go I, out I there and they I lose by one or two scores, okay, right? They go and lose by thirty plus, like th- that's going to be kind of a <laughs> I agree a with sour that. way to end the year. We're yeah. going to be playing in the freaking military bowl. If that happens, <laughs> that would actually be very, very bad. We all know what happened in the pinstripe bowl and the circumstances that surrounded it, and the fact right. that on a what was already a mediocre two thousand twenty one team anyone worth a damn essentially wasn't playing in that game. And I apologize if you are listening and you were on the team and you were a contributor, <laughs> you were the best. Thank you for your contributions to the program, but everyone gets the point, right? That's not going to happen. What I think. And I think something that we were all on the same page about going into the season was the season was never about winning the ACC and going to the orange bowl. No one, thought ACC championship was on the table, which is funny. Still is on the table. Statistically is, yes. <laughs> this game was all about feeling better about the program on the last day of the season than you felt on the first day of the season. And although consistent six-win performances is what got the last guy kicked out of town, you'd feel pretty good about a six-win season knowing that things started out the way that they did one and three. Mike, you brought up an interesting point on Twitter, and I think probably on this podcast a few weeks ago, which was like, where the it's a talent issue people go? Because I guess the talent, to an extent, was always there. And yeah, like Virginia Tech's beating up on bad teams, but like Marshall and Purdue also actually happened to be bad teams. And they lost those games. But you talk about proof of concept. It's the proof of concept that, number one, the coaches brought the people in, you know, pretty much every major contributor on offense and two of the best four players on defense, that being APR and Canteen, all came from the transfer portal. So, like, they they were able to reel in the talent. And then after a little bit of trial and tribulation – we're able to figure out how to use it in an effective way. Like it wasn't pretty. And I know like a lot of our listeners are probably like business owners or managers out there and you hire on someone new. And in the beginning they're struggling and you're like, is this guy ever going to figure it out? But you're not going to fire them yet. You're waiting to give them that chance. We're going to give them time to figure it out. And just when things started to get shaky, this entire staff as a whole showed us that, yeah, they actually might be capable of doing what they're doing. So that's why this is a test though. Because it's going to be, if Tech loses to NC State and beats Virginia, the narrative is going to be Virginia Tech had a great turnaround, but they didn't beat anyone good. And at least NC State has a good defense. Not just for Tyler Bowen's offense as a whole, but even for Kyron Drones. If Kyron Drones goes out there and plays against he did, or plays like he did against Boston College or Pitt or any of these teams for the most part against this NC State defense, we're all going to be talking going into next season as Kyron Drones coming in as one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC. And I can say that not even knowing what transfers are going to come in. 
the season's all about building morale towards next year and the year after and the hope that Brent Pry can get this program to where it needs to be. And in that sense, like we've already overcome the what seemed like a mountain after Marshall lived. The point of even moderate respectability and hope that the staff can do it. I think we all right now feel like, okay, these guys might have the right idea, but it's crazy to say, but getting it to seven wins would kick that thing into overdrive in terms of momentum. Yeah. And I don't think what happens in the bowl game matters as long as you don't get Maryland pinstripe bowl 2021. Agree. At the, uh, the one thing you said, you know, Pry and his staff, they kind of overhaul the roster in the offseason and need to be done, right? They bring in a bunch of transfers. APR and Canteen, you know, it, it took until last week for a contributor on offense to score that wasn't a transfer, right? Um, at least a transfer they got out of the portal this past offseason, Stephen Gosnell, which, by the way, he was also a transfer, but not this past offseason. It, it's been heavy on the transfer contributors. What's encouraging is that not only did Pry and his staff overhaul the roster, but after a bumpy September, they developed those guys, right? They got them integrated in the scheme. They got them comfortable. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, how Kyron Drones started the year uh, and, and how he's finishing it, right? How he looked in, in mid-September taking over for Grant Wells and kind of what he is emerged into. Uh, Bashal Tootin looking like a totally different running back in November than he was in September. Uh, the offensive line, which I still don't think is fantastic, but it's definitely developed into a more mediocre unit now, which is a, I, I don't mean that it's a slight. I mean, that is a huge accomplishment based on what they were in September. They were young. They were inexperienced. Um, they, they've gained experience as the year has gone on and they've played better football. And then defensively, you know, tech weathered the storm with some injuries early in the year, right? People will forget, like, the safety position's been a revolving door all year. Like, they've been really banged up in the back end of the defense. Uh, the linebacking core, they've been shuffling guys around trying to find the right fit. Then all of a sudden, you see Jaden McDonald kind of come out of nowhere here in November, and he's turning into a guy who looks like he could be a significant contributor, both for the rest of the season and beyond. Defensive line with APR stepping up being everything that, uh, Hokies fans were expecting in more um, the interior defensive line. It's been a rotation as we expected, right? It's been Payne, it's been Kendricks, it's been Pollard, uh, it's been Josh Fuga, but those guys have played better and better as the season's gone along. So it, it's not only bringing in the transfer talent, it's developing the guys that were here and developing the guys that came into this program, still trying to figure out the scheme uh, who have improved as the years gone on. And Kyron Jones has been kind of the head of that, right? As the quarterback leading the offense and the offense has looked significantly different with him in the lineup, but just in totality, I, I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for how they've kind of brought this team along. And that's really important considering that they had to just totally overhaul the roster. It was a pretty much a brand new roster offensively coming into this season. Um, and, and when you consider kind of how they're recruiting, you know, if they can continue that track record of, of bringing in these recruiting classes that, they're pretty high on right and and continuing to build that way and also continuing to hit on some of these transfer portal guys and showing development um, from that standpoint I think it's going to to bode well for the staying power of the staff and then you know where Virginia Tech can go 
uh, from here and kind of what they've done throughout the season so far. So it's been really encouraging. And we talk about like Ricky's infinity stone thing, right? Which I think is a, a, a fun metaphor. Back in the dark days when we were all calling for things that luckily aren't going to happen. We talked about this staff as a group that had never looked across the sidelines in an even game and outcoached the competitor coaching staff, right? It seems like they had lost every toss-up game. And I don't know if you consider Pitt, Syracuse, BC, Wake Forest to be toss-up games. I know they certainly were considered toss-up games at the time because we never went into them feeling electrically confident. Maybe Mike did against Boston College, but it's neither here nor there. But either way, the next step for this group is to pull the, the upset. It's not technically going to be an upset because Virginia Tech is a three-point favorite at home. But an NC State team that has a lot of talent. Maybe they're not reaching their full potential, but they're still seven and three. Coaching Dave Dorn, who has accomplished some things over the course of the last few years. To win that game means something. And it's another step forward for Virginia Tech that needs to be taken. Let's talk about this NC State team. I think everyone understands that this is a defensive-minded team, obviously. Offensively, this team's been a mess from week one, and we were having the discussion on the podcast before, or I should say before we started recording the podcast, that Brennan Armstrong was supposed to fix all this, right? Pairing him with Robert and I, getting him a fresh start outside of Charlottesville, this was supposed to be the move that not only rejuvenated Armstrong's career and gave him a chance at the next level, but gave NC State what they thought would be probably one of the most dynamic passers and scramblers at quarterback that they've had in the last several years. It hasn't worked. Brennan Armstrong started a handful of games, was not very good, got benched for MJ Morris. MJ Morris is now, I don't even know if he's practicing, right? Like he's He has decided he's going to redshirt. He's not going to play the rest of the season. And uh, smart money is that he will be playing in a different uniform next year. But Mike, and you follow the ACC pretty closely given your uh, role on the BC podcast, which if you're a listener who can hang over, if you're not listening to the basketball conference podcast, go ahead and give it a listen. Uh, all three of us will endorse that. Thanks, Rick. If you're on Spotify, click the more like this tab. Basketball conference podcast will be right there. Awesome. Mike, what's what's caused this to fall apart? I mean, is it is it a weapons thing? I, I, I kind of thought that that's what it was early on in the year. I'm not sure if it's that plus some other things or if it's just that Armstrong has regressed like almost entirely. I think he's regressed. It is a weapons thing. Most importantly, it's an offensive line thing. Their offensive line has gotten their quarterbacks really banged up. MJ Morris running for his life. Brandon Armstrong running for his life. 
both of them turning the football over a bunch. Brand Armstrong, a one-to-one touchdown interception ratio. MJ Moore is not much better. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions. So you do the math there, slightly over one-to-one. Neither one of them can compl- I I, I don't want to do this to Brian Armstrong. Brian Armstrong is completing 59.9% of his passes. So saying that neither <laughs> one of them is completing 60% of their passes is a true statement, but also a little facetious. So I just want to point that out. <laughs> um, but the passing game has not clicked. Offensive line has struggled. It is a new scheme, right? Which sometimes, you know, you plug and play, especially when you have like a veteran unit up front. They got some young guys mixed in on the offensive line and they haven't really been able to block well. So I think that's some of the problem. But when you have a new scheme, sometimes it's not always, you know, real easy to plug the guy in. I I think where I made the mistake with NC State coming into the year, NC State's going to finish with around the record I thought they would have. But how they got there is not going to be how I predicted, just because their defense is I thought their defense would be good. I I didn't think it would be like this good. Peyton Wilson is an all-American linebacker. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's got 112 tackles this year. He just continues to get better. It feels like he's been there forever. Uh I if I'm an NFL team, he's a no-brainer. I, I don't know where he's going to fall in terms of being drafted, but if he's not a, a top linebacker in the draft, that's fine. But if you get him in like the third or fourth round, I'd be ecstatic. I mean, that guy, you can plug him into any defense and he's just gonna make a million tackles. Uh things things you wonder about. Virginia Tech was very, very close to committing and signing Peyton Wilson. Yeah, they were in on him. Unfortunate. And you know who they got in that same class? A guy ranked two spots below him in the class of 2017 North Carolina 247 rankings. Dax Hollyfield. Dax Hollyfield. That's how old we're talking. This is a guy who's been around the block a few times. He's had some and... injury issues, I think, too, right? Didn't he blow his knee out one year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he actually banged his knee up in the Clemson game earlier this year, came back and had like 12 tackles next week. So he's he's ridiculous, man. Uh, Really, really good. He's going to make some plays on on Saturday. It's really going to frustrate Virginia Tech, I think. Hokies can do all the things right. And then Peyton Wilson's still just going to make a play. It's just the way that it is. Uh, But yeah, offensively, it's just an offensive line thing. They don't have a, a ton of receivers. Kevin Concepcion is very good, right? But he is it really at receiver. He's probably the best receiver in this game on both sides of the ball. I I think so. Uh, he's he's certainly really got the, the better the better stat line of of everyone. Yeah, I mean he's peppered with targets. Uh, he has fifty receptions this year. Uh, the next closest guy is Lesane, who has who has twenty one right on for only one hundred and fifty nine yards. Concepcion's it right. He's really all they got offensively. Even when you look to the running game, yeah, they they've been pretty balanced and not good in the run game <laughs> it's been it's been kind of met in the running game brand armstrong remains the leading rusher and he didn't really play much over the last month or so right yeah. so i mean he played he sued up last week and played um because mj morris decided he was going to redshirt so brand armstrong's a starter again moving forward but when you think about it armstrong was basically used as a gadget player for the better part of the last month and he still leads the team in carries by a lot he's got 96 carries this year uh, next closest is Mims with 69 carries. So that gives you an idea, right? And the fact that he was used basically as a gadget player, he was inserted in a starting lineup for like four or five plays a game offensively, and he still leads the team in rushing, kind of gives you a, an idea of how this team has struggled to move the ball this year, uh, both in the air and on the ground. So this is a game where 
if Virginia Tech, a big if, but if Virginia Tech solves the NC State defense to the tune of like 20 plus points, I think the Hokies are going to put themselves in excellent position, right? Because this is a very similar offense to the one they faced a week ago with Boston College. Very similar with a worse offensive line. You know, Mike, I bet you a lot of our our counterparts in Big Ten country have that exact analysis going into the Iowa game. <laughs> I'm not saying that NC State's defense is Iowa's defense, but, you know, team-wise, there's similarities there. It's a team that can't help themselves offensively. But, I mean, what, over the course of the last three games and that being against Clemson, Miami, and Wake Forest, teams that have all, I mean, a couple of teams that have been ranked this season. One team that's been good in the past, but we'll discount that because they're obviously not good offensively this year. But, you know, they've allowed under 30 points combined in three football games, which is what makes it interesting. Because for Virginia Tech this year, in the games that they have won, they have scored 30 points or more. In the games that they have lost, they have scored 17 points or less. A couple of 17-point showings, three 17-point showings, I believe. Oh, no. And then three against uh, Louisville, obviously, and then uh, 16 against Rutgers. So there's been no in-between. They've either gone above 30 and blown the team out or it's been lackluster, hard to watch, and they haven't even reached 20. There's more nuance to it than that, obviously. But this is outside of Florida State and Louisville, who Tech obviously struggled against. This is the most capable defense. And you can make an argument that they're just as capable, if not more, than those units. I mean... They're you better. The they, they might be. They might be better than Louisville's defense. I really believe that. Like this might be a better defense than than Louisville's. Uh, there's, it's close. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. It's there. Close. I mean, it's it it it's a, almost a wash. I mean, yeah. NC State's top twenty five and um, total defense and scoring defense. Yeah. All right. Hear hear me out though, and we've seen the problem with Virginia Tech being getting behind the sticks, right? Third and more than six has been a huge problem for the Hokies. It's about really playing their style of game, getting that offensive tempo on the ground, and then opening that up for, you know, bigger things in the passing game. So if on the ground is important, NC State 19th in the country overall, allowing 109 rushing yards per game over the course of the last three. Again, Clemson, Miami, and Wake Forest, two of those teams with no shortage of talent. The numbers would be even better. 75 rushing yards per game. So the offensive line, who, as Mike mentioned, you know, we worried about this being a Boston College last year's situation where you could have all the talent in the world and the skill positions, but if you can't block anyone, you're not going to win games. 
and they have risen to the occasion. You don't need to be perfect, but the offensive coaching staff has figured out a way to get by given what they have up front. Well, now you face an NC State defense with two of the best linebackers in the ACC, a solid defensive line. You're going to be tasked to run the ball. And for me, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Because I think stopping Armstrong, if you could stop Tommy Castellanos, you could stop Armstrong. But you can lose a game 17-14. Yeah, it's almost like how do you how do you avoid the repeat of the Louisville game? Because NC State doesn't have the firepower offensively that Louisville has, but defensively, like like we just said, they're one in the same. And Virginia Tech has struggled this year against uh, defenses that are performing exceptionally well, Florida State and Louisville being uh, two obvious examples. And Virginia Tech couldn't run the ball against Louisville. Jerones was really a non-factor in that game on the ground, a non-factor through the air as well. And it's going to be up to Tyler Bowen to figure out how he can prevent the same kinds of issues arising because Virginia Tech is going to have to find a way to score even just 20 to 21 points minimum to win this game. I mean, Andrew literally just said they've scored 30 or more in all of their wins, right? And they've scored 17 or less in all of their losses. So they've got to find a way to get above that 17 point threshold. And, and to NC state's credit with all of their offensive issues, they still put up 24 points against a very good Clemson defense, albeit with MJ Morris, at quarterback, they scored 20 against Miami. They scored 26 last week against wake Forest. So NC state is finding a way to manufacture points. They've been doing that all season. They haven't really, ever had an offensive breakout against the power five this year. As a matter of fact, 24 points is the most they've scored against the power five team this year. So this game is not so much about, in my opinion, what Virginia tech's defense will do against the NC state Wolfpack offense. It's very much. So how do they handle NC state's defensive front? Does Peyton Wilson wreck this game, especially in the run game? And can Kyron Drones find a way to make an impact through the air? Uh, Virginia Tech's going to have to find a way, I think, to score 20 to 21 points minimum. Well, I'll tell you what. If I'm Tyler Bowen, if I'm Brent Pry, I'm getting on the phone. And I'm calling Charles Huff, who, by the way, according to sources in the media, is on the short list for the Texas A&M job, despite the fact that his Marshall team is in last place in the Sun Belt East. But they managed to score 41 <laughs> against NC State. So their secret sauce, Charles Huff has it. Because outside of Notre Dame, no one has had nearly that much luck. Yeah. So it can be done. And by the way, this is the first time I actually looked at Marshall's record, about two and four in the Sun Belt. It's been a down year for God, them. God, you want that one back. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So I mean, how how are we feeling here? I I look at this game and I see it going 
a couple of different directions. I see, you know, Virginia Tech having trouble moving the football and having to prove something that they haven't really been able to prove all year that they could go out and win a low scoring game. Pokies haven't checked that box yet this year. No. Uh, every win's been a blowout. Uh, they haven't won close yet, which has been nice. It's been, it's been good. Can they win a close, low scoring game? I mean, I tend to think that if this thing is low scoring, that favors NC State, right? I, I think Virginia Tech's best opportunity is to try to turn this into a track meet, which is easier said than done when we talk about how good NC State's defense is, which is why we, you know, Andrew brought up the stats with the 17-point threshold. Like, I mentioned 20 points. Maybe it's just 17. <laughs> like, get over that 17-point mark. Uh turn this thing into a higher scoring game. I think that does, that would favor Virginia tech. I think Virginia tech's clearly got more offense. I get concerned with, you know, does Virginia tech take a step back defensively, which is a question we've had a lot this year. Virginia tech hasn't really done it against teams that are in NC state's ilk offensively since September. They haven't done that. Yeah. Will they? Is this the time they do it? It would be a really bad time to do it, but do they do it? I I think that one of the things I'm struggling with here is I think Virginia Tech's in a spot where they could play a pretty good game offensively. They could have it schemed up pretty well. And this NC State defense could still hold Virginia Tech around 17 to 20 points. You still feel like you've been moving the ball, but maybe settling for field goals. It's a bend but don't break situation in the red zone again. Can Virginia Tech win that low-scoring game? That's a question they may have to answer on Saturday because I, I do think that, you know, Virginia Tech's defense with the way it's been playing, and, and I do think this is a similar challenge on the defensive side of the football to what we saw a week ago. I do think that. It's a similar challenge. I think Virginia Tech can get after the quarterback in this game uh, in a way that, you know, I thought that they did a decent job against Boston College getting after the quarterback and, and at least flushing Castellanos out of the pocket you know, you see his two interceptions in particular. He was flushed to his right both times and threw two really bad interceptions. Can they do the same thing to Armstrong, maybe flushing him out to his left, make him throw back either back across his body or, you know, make an ill-advised forced throw? Can they do that? I think they can get after the quarterback. I don't worry about any of NC State's running backs just, like, turning on the Jets and uh, it being a talent issue, right, where – Virginia Tech's linebackers from a talent standpoint can't keep up with the speed and athleticism of NC State's running backs. I don't think that's going to be a thing here. So I think it's containing Armstrong in the pocket. Don't let him kill you with the legs. So very similar game plan to what they do with Castellanos. And then when you have the opportunity, third and medium, third and long, to get after the passer and really rush the passer, can you do it here with more success as far as like getting home and getting some sacks? I think you can. So this is very much about what Virginia Tech, in my opinion, what Virginia Tech can do offensively against the NC State defense. Can they score enough points? Can they punch a touchdown or two into, into the end zone? Can they put a couple of these drives into the end zone in the red zone? You know, don't settle for as many field goals as, as you've been settling for, even in some of these wins that you've had. That That's kind of what I'm looking for here. Because I do think Virginia Tech's defense will be able to to face the to stand up to the task of NC State. If they can't, if NC State scores 24, 27 points, 
it's going to be a long day for Virginia Tech, I think, because I just think there's there's a track record of success with the NC State defense against some good competition. That Marshall game kind of stands out as the one that's a little odd, maybe a little bit of an aberration compared to the rest of the schedule. Not a lot of teams have had a lot of success against NC State's defense, right? So I think it's more likely that it's going to be Virginia Tech's defense stopping NC State's offense and just scoring enough to win this game. So very much a Virginia Tech offense game. Do they come with the juice schematically? Do they block up front? Do they take Peyton Wilson out of the game? Those types of questions are the ones that need to be answered. Isn't that the fun of it, though? Right? I mean, we've talked for over a month now about Virginia Tech's offense turning a corner. And, you know, it's almost been dizzying seeing them go from what they were for the first 15 games of prize tenure into what we've seen them do in the four wins that Virginia Tech has, which has been like high-flying points on the board, 30-plus, blowing teams out. And now you face off against a team that's allowed 87 points in six ACC games. 87 points in six ACC games. Like, how good is Kyron Drill? How good is Bayshell Tudin? How well, probably more importantly than anything, how well can this offensive line hold up? Can Tyler Bowen find a scheme to truly maximize his team's potential in, in a game where it's going to be most necessary? And quite frankly, when it comes down to wins and losses here, how are we going to play the field position game? If, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, Tech can stay true to the principles that outside of the first sustained drive for Boston College, they did so well last week. Staying true to your run fits, what they call it, Cajun the rabbit with Castellanos. I like that. But they did. You know, they 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 never let him get away. It was barely bent and, and certainly never broke. That should be easier with Armstrong, but the thing about easy is things can be easy 95% of the time, but if 5% of the time you let it go, well, that's seven points on the board. And seven points is going to mean more in this game than it has meant all freaking season. Yeah. It is going to be so much harder to come by. So whether that's avoiding that big 55-yard back-breaking run, because I promise you that's going to hurt more against SCC than it's hurt all season. Or on the other side of the coin, if you can have a Dorian Strong interception or two that puts Virginia Tech in a position where, at a minimum, you're settling for a field goal or you have a short field, these are the things that might not have felt like it meant that much against Boston College because the game got away from you. But if you can do that again, that very well might be the difference between a win and a loss against NC State. Points will not be easy to come by. I hope we can go back and listen to this and say Andrew was wrong. Virginia Tech was a high-flying offense the entire time, and NC State was no match for them. But there's no evidence to this point that NC State doesn't have what it takes to handle Virginia Tech. I, I would put NC State's defense against 
anyone in the country. I think if you put NC State's defense with, I mean, gosh, imagine NC State's defense with North Carolina's offense. That's that's your runaway ACC winner, even possibly with Florida State and Louisville. So take it for what it is. Iowa, the Atlantic coast, and it's going to be like a a true lunch pail day. It's going to make people who enjoyed the 0-0 Wake Forest game in 2014, 15, or whatever the hell it was, feel really good about themselves. Because that's the kind of game that I hope that Virginia Tech can come away with. And it'll be something that we haven't seen out of this coaching staff. And that's what makes it such a unique challenge to accomplish, you know, such a major and what seemed to be unfeasible goal, you know, just a few short weeks ago. I was just going to say that the most unlikely scenario, I think, in this game is Virginia Tech losing in a high scoring affair. Like there's a bunch of ways this game could play out. I think that would be the least likely. Yeah, that would be the most that would be the most surprising, I guess, way for Virginia Tech to for for this game to go one way or the other is Virginia Tech losing a high scoring affair. Then I'd be like, whoa, what happened? This didn't go the way anybody thought. Like Virginia Tech scored on NC State and NC State scored on Virginia Tech and the Hokies couldn't win that game at home. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean, like one thing that happened against Louisville, which was obviously Virginia Tech's like lone wolf since the Pittsburgh game true offensive dud was that on the road against a bigger, faster, more athletic team, they sucked the life out of you right away. And it started with that first drive. I mean, I remember I was still in the Uber on the way to Grand Street Pub watching it on my phone. And you saw the way those first couple plays went down and you could just feel the deflation and say, oh, this this isn't going to go well. And, you know, the team's performance reflected that. But that was also countered with Louisville just coming and marching down the field. I think the first drive very well may emulate itself. You know, it, it drive-wise, this is going to be about at-bats. But it's going to be about staying motivated and disciplined and not letting the game get away from you. The good news is that NC State's offense you know, isn't going to deflate that balloon. You'd hope if things don't go well for Virginia Tech's offense right away and having the home crowd behind you will be to your advantage at that point. But yeah, I mean, I, outside of Louisville, even in the beginning of the season, when things looked bad, there was never a quit problem with Virginia Tech. So you just got to hope that it stays that way. For sure. Uh, All right, let's roll into our ACC picks uh, and then we'll pick obviously our game at the end. Uh, BC at Pitt. Ricky mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Pittsburgh is a three-point favorite as they welcome Boston College to town. Just a quick reminder, Pittsburgh is two and eight, and they are a three-point favorite here against six and four Boston College. I'm not hammering that home because I've been trashing Boston College. I'm hammering that home because I don't get it. So I'm taking Pitt. That's... Not not because I'm a BC hater, but because Pitt shouldn't be favored here, and they are. So I'm taking Pitt. I think you're a Jeff Halfley hater. Give me BC to win this one on the road. I will take the three points. Not going to declare victory, but I'll take the three points. Fair. Louisville traveling to Miami. Speaking of lines that stink, 
Miami is a half point. <laughs> Miami is a half point favorite. Half point favorite at noon on ABC against number ten Louisville. Mm. I'm not picking against Louisville. I am. I am. Miami. Don't know why. That that ruckus home crowd advantage at Hard Rock Stadium. Van Dyke sucks. The other kid, uh, Emery Williams, that they started last week, got hurt, and he's out for the year. So I guess Van Dyke's back in. Sure, Miami's favorite. Why not? I mean, I respect... Honoring the Vegas Lions, but give me the team I've seen more out of all year. You picked Louisville, didn't you, Rick? Just making sure. Duke <laughs> on the road at Virginia. Duke a three and a half point favorite. I don't know what they're doing at quarterback here. I don't know if it's Belen or the other kid they started last week, Grayson. Uh, Loftus, there it is. Grayson Loftus. Almost his name was escaping me. Uh I, I liked what I did see out of Loftus last week. He played pretty well. Uh give me Duke. Duke's the better coach team, and Virginia has struggled all year in winning close games, of which this will probably be. So I will take Duke to cover the small spread. Virginia might be the best two and eight team in the country. <laughs> And Duke hits, baby. has had to deal all week with rumors that their head man will not be their head man for much longer. I think that's a distraction. I think Virginia's got a chip on their shoulder and home field advantage. I'll take UVA. That's a good point about the distractions and the home field. I'm going to flip my pick. Home it's field. college kids, Virginia, dude, that, baby. That shit, that shit gets to you. That would Virginia. Be all Imagine this even, game even just played? at a normal job. Virginia. Virginia, baby. Your CEO was leaving or whoever your boss is. Wouldn't that make work weird all week? Screw the look ahead spot for Virginia with the Hokies coming to town next week. <laughs> to hell with that. Give me the who's and we'll see who I pick on my ACC pod here in a bit. <laughs> Mike, I'll be interested to hear what pick. Joey has to say. Mike's going to hedge his bets. I'm just going to pick one on this pod, pick the other one on the other one. And. I'm not even sure who I picked on this spot. I flip-flopped. Wake Forest traveling to Notre Dame. I <laughs> It's senior day in South Bend. Notre Dame is a 24.5 point favorite coming off of bye week. Wake Forest has quit. Give me Notre Dame. I don't, I don't know. Give me Notre Dame. This will not be competitive. The Sam Hartman revenge game on national television. Probably not what they were expecting going into the year. I'll take Fight and chase Mumas to cover. I'm with Andrew on this one. Notre Dame has been underwhelming this year. Uh, Sam Hartman has struggled mightily in the second half of the season. Uh, lots of turnovers. Give me Wake Forest to cover the spread. Better you guys than me. North Carolina traveling to Clemson. Clemson, a sure. Clemson's a six and a half. Sorry, that, that startled me. Clemson is a six and a half point favorite. We've had Clemson on quit, on quit watch for several weeks, Mike. And it hasn't quite happened yet. Give me Clemson. Mm-hmm. 
Dabo Dabo is better than Mac Brown for all of his faults. I'm picking Clemson too. Clemson wins and covers. Andrew. Hmm. It's so hard to pick a Mac Brown team, but now that people are picking against them, Mac Brown does the worst when the public is backing him, and now the public isn't. So I'll take, again, I'll take the six and a half points for the best quarterback. Fair. In the ACC, maybe the country. At least Fair. pro prospect-wise. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to disrespect Jordan Traps like that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Florida State is hosting North Alabama. So we'll skip that one. Uh, what, if, what if I want to pick North Alabama, Mike? Oh, I'm sorry. I'll cede the floor to you. <laughs> please, enter, please entertain us. <laughs> hey, it's a CW. Anything can happen. That's that's true. It's a favorite on the CW, which <laughs> all of those have lost except last week. Uh, NC State broke the curse. So North Alabama had a, a tough one against Central Arkansas last week. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. <laughs> I'm, I am glad you found that because I. Good for them. North Alabama's three and seven in the FCS. So, <laughs> Florida State has any trouble with this one, man. Oh man, Syracuse traveling to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech six and a half point favorite. This is Georgia Tech's final stab at poll eligibility because next week they play Georgia and they are going to die. So I, I'm going to take Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech wins this game at home. Uh, I will take Syracuse to cover, though. I think the uh, Orange keep it close, but I do think Georgia Tech will make a bowl game. So give me the jackets. Give me, give me the jackets to cover. Nice. Syracuse has been awful in ACC play, uh, exceptionally bad in the second half of the season. Give me, give me Brent Key and the Yellow Jackets. I like Brent Key. I, I think too. Brent Key's got a clue, uh, a, a real uh, change of pace. He's from got more of a clue than the other guy. Yeah, Jeff Collins. What's he doing these days, Mike? You got an update on him? Jeff Collins? Yeah. Uh, he's either enjoying a very early retirement <laughs> or Which he's like what a, I would probably be doing. Or he's pulling Jeremy Pruitt and he's like a high school gym teacher. That's the American dream, baby. Uh, give me Georgia Tech, the rambling wreck from. Nice. Uh, Virginia Tech, NC State, 330 ACC Network, Senior Day in Blacksburg. Uh, I'll go first. I'll make it quick. I'm taking the Hokies. They've been incredible at home this year. This is the toughest task they've faced at home. Uh, I think Virginia Tech, quite honestly, with the weather delay and things, the way things went in week two, I think Virginia Tech's kind of a little bit robbed of an undefeated record at home this year. I think they would have had a really good opportunity at that. It's a shame. But going five and one at home wouldn't be bad either. I think Virginia Tech clinches bowl eligibility this week. I think they beat NC State. I think it is low scoring. I'm going to go like 21-17 Hokies. I think it's close, low scoring, lower scoring, competitive. But I do think Virginia Tech finds a way to get in the end zone three times and win this game. And cover by a point. Give me the Hokies. I feel like I've spent the entire podcast talking about why we're going to lose. So this pick is probably going to surprise some people. A lot at stake. We've covered it. Last home game of the season. So if you're there, enjoy it. As I mentioned, home field advantage is actually going to mean something in this one. And 
if things aren't going so well, which I feel almost inevitably at times it will feel like they're not. Staying in the game and staying enthusiastic is going to mean something for a team that, like Mike said, might only need three touchdowns. I like a turnover. I like Brennan Armstrong being terrorized all day, which will lead to aforementioned turnover. I like Virginia Tech doing just enough. Virginia Tech by three. 21, or I mean, it could be 20 to 17. could be 24, 21. I don't know. It's going to be close. I'm picking the Hokies. The road to the military bowl, maybe. So in ACC play, Virginia Tech has lost twice, both of which were to what I would consider elite teams. Florida State is an elite team. Louisville is an elite team considering they're a top 15 team in the country right now. And they're going to give Florida State every bit of trouble that they could ever want in Charlotte in a couple of weeks. Otherwise, Virginia Tech has pantsed the rest of this conference. This is the best team outside of Florida State and Louisville that they've played. But Virginia Tech has shown against a range of, of types of different offenses that they can uh, that they can hold them down. They've shown against a range of defenses that they can score some points. NC State can't run the ball. I don't think that they're going to be able to exploit the Hokies' defense all that much. As Andrew likes to say, all you need is love. John Love hits a game winner. Oh! Virginia Tech wins 17-14. So this is, a, uh, I guess, a push on the line. But I'm picking Virginia Tech to win this game. The optimism Kool-Aid tasted really good last week. And I didn't have any heartburn. So we're going to have another glass. Guys, if Virginia Tech wins this game and UVA, uh, there's a chance to go to Duke's Mayo Bowl instead. So the guy who lose one of these gets a military bowl. So I'm just letting you guys know. <laughs> just letting you know. See, here, here, here's what I'll tell you, Mike. I'd feel a lot better going into this game if Virginia Tech scored more than three points against Louisville. Yeah. It would just make me feel better. Yeah, that, do you feel better? Worse? <laughs> Or about the feel same. better, or worse, or the same about Virginia Tech going up against one of the best defenses in the country <laughs> when they scored three points against Louisville. Hmm, I don't know, but I'm picking the Hokies anyway. Other side note, if you're going to the game, first of all, have fun. Last game of the season. It, it, I'm sure it'll come soon enough that me and these clowns are doing our preview, picking all the games like we always do, blah, blah, blah. But enjoy the game. And if you're there and you don't have a tailgate or anything, Hokie House pregame show, noon at Hokie House. I'll be there. So just come, grab a beer, enjoy yourself. We'll see you on the recap. Hopefully talk about bowl eligibility. Till then, go Hokies. Mm-hmm.